One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Okay, guys, great to be back with you this week. Uh, at School of the Holy Spirit. Um, We are doing a series called Wisdom-Filled Warrior. It's based on the book uh, that I recently released. And uh, it's about you awakening the warrior that's hidden inside of you to come forward and to enter into the supernatural call that's upon you. Amen. Every person has a supernatural call. Every person has a supernatural call purpose. Every person has gifts, a gift and a call that the Lord desires in this hour to draw forth. And we've been talking over the last few weeks in particular about the spirit of revelation, the power that the Lord grants to those who rely on his spirit, upon the supernatural revelation that the Lord gives. The the Bible talks about the Lord revealing his secrets to those who love him, to those who dwell in his presence, in the secret place, okay? And that foundational um, relationship is uh, extremely important, realizing that life comes from the Spirit and not from the system. It doesn't come from the routines and the religious doctrines and, and all of that stuff. It comes from reliance on the living God, right? Um you know, the psalmist said, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High and under the shadow of the Almighty, right? He says in Psalm 91, he, he, he talks about uh, fear and the destruction and everything that comes against a person. But ultimately, the declaration is, my life comes from the presence of God. My life comes from the fact that I know him, that he has a purpose for me, that he's going to speak to me, that he's going to send his angels to take charge over me, to keep me in all of his ways, right? That uh, he is going to unleash all of heaven to surround you with the glory of God, to awaken your destiny. No matter what comes against you, the Lord always um, has a plan to restore, establish, um, and reveal the destiny that he has written about you in the books of heaven. Amen. How many of you know that? There are books written about you personally in heaven. Okay. In the book of Hebrews, it says that um, when Jesus Christ came, it says, I come to do your will, O Lord. And he references the books, right? He references what was written about him, that before the foundations of the earth, that his identity and purpose were established in heaven by the Lord, right? <laughs> and so I want to talk to you about destiny. And the reason I'm, I just feel that just the joy of the Lord, that he's going to do something supernatural here today uh, with you and the revelation that you have a destiny. You have a purpose that is supernatural. And he wrote about you before the foundations of the earth. Right. We've we've been talking about um, this earth realm and being locked in time, being uh, locked um, in the sphere of of uh, it's Paul called it temporal. Right. It's a it's a place locked in time that um, has a physical aspect to it. But how many of you know that the Lord is a spirit? Right. Jesus Christ is a spirit and the purpose of Christ was to literally unlock you, unlock the destiny in you, right? A lot of people read the Bible and superficially perceive that Jesus came um, basically just for sin. Sin is a big deal, but the foundational aspect of the problem with sin is you being separated from the Spirit of God. The root of all, the root of all acts, the root of all um, dysfunction. And the what I call the the fruit of sin, which is, 
you know, like Paul describes it, lying, cheating, stealing, all of the behavioral aspects are functions of the demonic realm, functions of the nature of evil and the fallen nature of man. Um, but the true essence of Christ ultimately is, we, you know, we talked uh, some, some weeks ago about the book of Romans and actually, you know, you are no longer bound to the conditions of the replica of the law that cannot save, but through Christ, the blood of Jesus saved you and cries out to reveal that you, the son of God, the daughter of God would be revealed into what you truly are, right? That you, you have a purpose and a calling and intent that the Lord designed for you before the foundations of the earth. That's, that's called a destiny. You have a destiny according to what the Lord wrote about you. But how many of you know that when you're born into this world, this world is a test. This world um, is a matrix. It, it, there's a demonic entity that has an intent to enslave, to break, to keep you from your destiny, right? The ultimate goal um, is not just hell, but to keep you from your destiny in walking in the supernatural here on earth. And, you know, I've, I've been, you know, really leading and, and driving this concept with you guys um, of being awakened. You are a wisdom-filled warrior. Many many of you are stepping into it, but some of you don't know it yet. But the reality is you are a wisdom-filled warrior. You are going to transcend the limitations of the natural world by receiving the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal to you your destiny, to reveal to you the supernatural purpose and call that's upon your life. Okay, um, you know, I, several weeks ago I talked to you about being made a supernatural creature, right? Second Corinthians um, talks about uh, you are a new creature, the likes of which has never been seen on earth before, and that that's actually part of the revealing of your true destiny, okay? And, you know, destiny in the book of Ecclesiastes, um, I think it's chapter 3, it talks about uh, destiny being locked in the heart of a man. And the Lord himself, the Spirit of God, is the only one who has the key that unlocks your heart, what you really are, Right? His sword, his rhema words, his dreams and visions have the power to cut you open, so to speak, to break the limitations of the flesh and allow you to enter the realm of the Holy Spirit to be it. And I don't want to sound freaky, but when, when I say enter the realm of the Holy Spirit, you can break through the limitations of the flesh through the spirit language, through the gift of tongues. We've talked about that a lot. If you, if, if you haven't listened to the stuff previously, I encourage you to go back from the beginning because all of this stuff builds. And so when I talk about destiny today, I'm assuming that you've wrapped your mind around the concept of spiritual life, the supernatural call that's upon your life, and uh, receiving the spirit of revelation um, for your freedom and to confront the demonic powers that come to steal your freedom, right? And so... Um, I want to talk to you about the destiny the Lord has for you versus the destiny that the world has for you, the demonic powers of this world. Um, you know, it says, the Bible t says, and we've talked about this a lot, that uh, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Satan comes to literally enslave you, break you, um, and deceive you in any fashion possible, um, anything to keep you from the Holy Spirit. And it can, it can, it's a, it, the, a lot of people have good things. A lot of people have bad things and your perception of a good thing, um, can be misleading. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care uh, if you own an Island and you sit on the beach every day. Um, the reality is if you don't know the Holy spirit, you are lost, right? If you don't know that the Lord has written a destiny about you, and he desires to unveil it to you. It doesn't matter what you're doing today. I don't care if you are a, a slave. I don't care if you are in absolute poverty on the street in India. I don't care if you are a multimillionaire or even a billionaire. Um, it doesn't matter. Those are all deceptions. Those are all forms of deception. Um, 
that keep you from the fact of thirsting and chasing after the Holy Spirit in reliance, knowing that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower you, embolden you, and to reveal your destiny, making you supernatural on the earth. Amen? And so I want to walk through a dream that the Lord gave me as I was writing this book um, because it articulates the war for destiny, okay? Um, and I'll walk through the dream, and then we'll talk about it, and uh, we'll go from there, okay? So in this dream, Jesus walks me into a desert where there's nothing but sand and oppressing heat. I see in a distance what appears to be a man on a horse who's coming toward us. As he gets closer, I can see that it's not a man, but it's a prince. It's like a demonic king. He has a, an appearance of a celestial entity, like a demonic spirit with all these jewels on it. Um, he has this strange white light. It, it doesn't look like the glory light of God, but it appears like it's, it's a nice white light. Okay. Um, and he's got this strange skeleton like body. Um, it's extremely arrogant as he, he sits on the horse. He's smirking at me as he's walking toward me. Um, and as he's walking toward me, the Lord touches me and I get to see what this creature really is. And what appears on this creature is um, a name. And it, the name of this creature is the Epitaph King. Okay. An epitaph is something that's written on a gravestone, right? It's um, this is what this guy was, right? This is this is kind of the punchline, the the one or two lines of the life of this guy. Okay, that's what an epitaph is. So this this entity, the Lord is showing me, um, this entity is the one who writes on gravestones of those buried in the desert. <laughs> you catching my drift? You catch where I'm going with this, or catch where the Lord is going with this dream? Um, as soon as I read its name aloud, gravestones appear throughout the desert. The epitaph king laughs at me and says, I write their destiny, not you. Standing beside each gravestone is a person who is weeping as they read the epitaph as depicted by the epitaph king. The people believe the lies that the epitaph king wrote on their gravestone and they were dead, okay? The, peop the people, I was seeing the people alive, seeing their own epitaph that declared they were dead, okay? That's a strange thing to see, but I saw the gravestone. I saw um, the death that the epitaph king decreed over each person's life in the desert, right? Remember back to the parable of the sower, right? Um, the hardest tested in the dry place, the hardest tested in the place where the weeds choke it out, the hardest tested by the demonic powers that come to steal life, to steal the seed from the heart, all right? Only the heart that holds on to the seed, to the, to the voice of God and what the Lord decrees brings life and can multiply life, right? All right, so back to the dream. So the epitaph king literally laughs at me. He's laughing at me the whole time. I'm watching the people read their gravestones, okay? As the epitaph king is laughing at me, he says, I can steal dreams and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> it's at this time, it's at this point that Jesus he put his arm around me in the dream and he places a rod in my hand. At the end of this rod is a like a unique uh, twisted corkscrew like thing. You know how when you put a corkscrew into a um, like the like a bottle of, of wine and the, the cork or the, the uh, screw goes into the cork and you're able to pull the cork out. Well, Jesus hands me this long rod that has a corkscrew end on it, okay? The rod has a scripture on it, and it's, it says Ezekiel 37, all right? 
righteous anger, as soon as Jesus puts this rod in my hand, uh, righteous anger rises up inside of me and I charge the epitaph king while he's still laughing. It's like he's laughing and smirking at me. His eyes are half shut and he doesn't recognize that boldness has come on me. And I literally charge this demonic king and thrust the rod with the cork, the corkscrew end into his chest. I twist it, turn it, and I pull his beating heart out in front of him and let him see it. And as the demonic king is still laughing, his heart start, stops to beat, stops beating, and he literally falls off the horse dead. He's laying in the midst of the desert, having died in the very place where he wrote the epitaphs on the headstones of the people. It's at this point that the people realize that what the epitaph king wrote about them was a lie, and they start kicking the gravestones over, and they dig they dig at they dig at the point where the gravestone was sitting, and they and they all begin to um, open up these treasure chests that uh, essentially contain the dream of the Lord. Okay, these people open the treasure chest and they begin to read what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit wrote about their lives. Amen. And at this point, um, I woke up, all right? And the Lord started to speak to me about Ezekiel chapter 37. And if you, if you know anything about Ezekiel chapter 37, um, Ezekiel chapter 37 is the valley of dry bones, right? Um, when the prophet Ezekiel was taken into the desert, the Lord asked him a question, can these bones live? And the prophet answered, yes, right? And the Lord instructs him to prophesy to the dry bones and command life to come upon them. The next thing the Lord asks is, uh, he asked him to prophesy to the wind. And so Jeremiah prophesies to the wind and this, and, and the wind, as we know, as we've talked about, um, the wind is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So the Lord was actually commanding Jeremiah to release and give the Holy Spirit upon, uh, what he prophesied life to, right? And, you know, that's a picture of the power of the prophetic. It's a picture of what prophecy really does. Prophecy rewrites the destiny of men according to the vision of the Lord, according to the destiny, the books that were written about people. That's what true prophecy does. It actually um, breaks the lie, the death spoken over people, and it actually rewrites and brings life uh, to the heart of man, of the heart of his called sons and daughters, um, to establish them in their destiny, to the books that were written about them. Amen? And so um, there's a key element here in the book, in, in uh, Ezekiel 37. Uh, I'm going to read verse 21 to 25. Um because it's a prophecy that the people of God will not remain entombed in death. You will not remain entombed in limitation and brokenness and shame. And you will not remain, especially in what the world defined you as, the epitaph that the world intended to be established on your headstone will not define you will not define you, says the Lord, but they will ascend to the high place in spiritual prayer. It's symbolized by Mount Zion. The Lord, the Lord uses Mount Zion as the place, the ultimate place of connection to his heart, right? Mount Zion was the place where King David established as the place where they would worship the Lord 24 hours a day and prophecy, the Psalms and prophecy flowed continually in the psalmist. Right? The spirit of prophecy flowed in the psalmist. 
right? And you know, we 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 talked um, a few weeks ago about uh, David being at Naoth Ramah, the place, the mountain of the prophetic that has power over the the, the demonic, right? The enemies that Saul, the assassins that Saul sent to David, who was dwelling at Naoth Ramah, the place of the spirit of prophecy, every assassin had his clothes stripped off. (laughs) Are you getting the picture, guys? Every assassin was powerless in the presence of prophecy. Prophecy was so powerful, it actually stripped the clothing off of the assassin and redefined the assassin. What happened with Paul? Right? Paul was a murderer. Paul organized the killing of Christians as the greatest Pharisee, right? But then the spirit of prophecy engaged him. On the road to Damascus, the light of heaven came, right? And suddenly Paul was baptized in the Holy Ghost and he set into the world to save people instead of kill them, right? Paul was an assassin who became a missionary, an apostle, a called man of God to release the power of heaven and and rewrite the destinies of men. Instead of killing them, he saved them by prophesying the life of God over them. Okay? And so that description is important because um, it describes and defines the awakening of the the Lord's army. It it redefines... um, It redefined a killer into the army of the Lord, one who walks according to the destiny that God wrote about them in the books of heaven, right? And so this is all defined in Ezekiel 37. I'm going to read 21 and 22. Then say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, from among the demonic powers, out from under the epitaph king. I don't care what the epitaph king wrote about them. I'm going to come and get them, right? Wherever they have gone, And will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be over them. They shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they be divided into two kingdoms. Right? They will be sons of David. They will dwell on Mount Zion in spiritual prayer, hearing the voice of God, having continual revelation and wisdom, and they will be made supernatural. They will hear the destiny that I wrote about them, and they will become supernatural. They will be the giant killers. They will be the sons of David, the the mighty men of David, right? Jesus came as the son of David, the one who would empower and awaken mighty men of God. Amen. So that's a, that's a pretty cool connection point with the fact that the Lord um, will ultimately, as you, as the Lord begins to speak to you individually through revelation and dreams and visions, um, he is rewriting and he's actually revealing to you what you really are according to the books of heaven and stripping you, stripping the clothing that the enemy put on you, the false identity. Clothing always means identity, right? That's why Jesus said, stay here in the city. I'm going to send the power of the Holy Ghost upon you. He will clothe you, right? He will identify you. That's what that means. He's going to identify you in power. Amen? And so it's a supernatural contrast. It actually takes you out of the limitations of the temporal world and redefines you. It, it's be, it literally is being born again. It's the fullness of being born again. And so you, you, you can't really define being born again as simply going to an altar and agreeing, saying, saying yes. Being born again is actually being awakened to the Spirit and embodying the fullness of the clothing of the Holy Spirit. You no longer with your mind walk as a natural man, but you walk as a supernatural son or daughter of God who's being defined by the Spirit of God and not by the limitations of the world. Because the world, the epitaph king is a real thing, guys. It's not just a dream. The Lord was defining my enemy. Right. He was he was saying to me 
that your calling is to walk in the dead places and call the dead to life. And I'm giving you authority. That's what the rod is. The rod, Jesus put the rod in my hand. The rod always means authority. He put the authority in my hand to face the epitaph king and rip its heart out right before its eyes to cause the gravestones to fall over and allow people to see unlock the treasure of heaven, right? They were able to dig and find the true destiny that the Lord wrote about them. Amen? That, that's the meaning of the dream. And so what do I do? What, has the, what is the pattern of my life? The Lord sends me into dead places all over the place. He's always connected me with, with different, whether it's a, a church, whether it's a a uh, group of 40, 50 people in a living room um, or standing in front of five, ten thousand people in India. The, the call on my life is always to rip the heart out of the ep epitaph king using the gift and the spirit of prophecy to rewrite the destiny that the Lord wrote about people. That's my that is my call. That's what I do. Right. And if you hang around me, that same impartation will flow on to you. Amen. I mean, the pattern of people hanging, hanging around me and being imparted the gift and the spirit of prophecy. Um, people begin to hear and see in the spirit and have the revelation of the spirit and prophecy begins to flow through their life. That's the power of impartation. That's what I get to do in the kingdom. I impart and equip people in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so it's important that you wrap your mind around this. You are not defined by your current limitation. You are defined by your prayer life, which will reveal in fullness who you really are. That's why I keep emphasizing your prayer life and praying in tongues because the pure waters of life will reveal the command of the Lord, right? We talked about that last time in John 16, that the command of the Lord is actually the, the telos, the, 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 the prophetic insight or the revealed word of the Lord. It's connected to your true identity, defining your life. And, and being equipped to help define the people's lives around you according to the books of heaven and not according to what the epitaph king, right? The one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, who's laughing at you and saying you're never going to achieve, you're never going to um, become anything, you're never going to, um, you know, whatever. Those are all lies from the devil, right? And, you know, we, we talked last time about or I think it was maybe the last uh, two or three times we, we, we had the concepts of Romans 8, 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And I talked to you about the being taken to heaven and the Lord showing me how Romans eight twenty six the 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 gift of tongues actually is the the way, the key that allows you to enter into the holy place to see the Lord face to face. I want to connect the dots with destiny on the awakening and the embrace of the Holy Spirit, okay? When you start talking about destiny, um, destiny, the Lord actually has a destiny for you, right? Roman, or I'm sorry, Revelation 2.17. Actually, if you if you look at the book of Revelation, um, every, every correction to the seven churches always ends. The Lord says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit of God is saying. Right. And one of the gifts that he gives people, he says, I will give you a white stone. This is, this is uh, revelation two seventeen. He says, I will give you a white stone and on that stone, a new name. What's a new name, a new identity, right? He will give you a new headstone. <laughs> He will give you a new headstone, a new stone, a white stone, a, a, a glory stone, something that identifies you in the glory of God and not according to the headstone written by the epitaph king, right? You will have a new name, a new purpose, a new calling in Christ, right? And, and this re revealing of the sons of God 
Um, Romans 8.19 actually says, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. And the word revealing um, is it, it's it's right it's the it, it's connected to revelation. It is the the revelation of of the Holy Ghost. This is what Paul was saying that you need to pray for revelation because the word uh, the word um, revelation actually has two aspects to it. Um, there's a piece of it that uses the Greek word klepto. Klepto means stolen something that was stolen from you or covered up by darkness, okay? Um, the other piece is apocalypto, meaning that the real meaning of, or the, the real defined thing you are, the destiny that you are, has to be unveiled, right? So the world essentially covers you, right? In, in the dream with the epitaph king, the true identity was covered. It was underneath the sand that had a headstone written by the epitaph king but when the but when the lord sent me to stand in front of the epitaph king rip its heart out and when it died what happened the destiny that the lord wrote about the people suddenly the headstone of the epitaph king falls and the people are able to dig and uncover the treasure chest of the lord where the dream and the vision of the Lord are granted to them. Amen. Are you getting are you getting the picture? Because the epitaph king came to not only um, not only uh, you know keep them veiled or to kill, but more importantly to keep them from discovering, to keep them from revelation of what they really are. And that's the point of this, guys. What Paul was trying to articulate in the book of Re- or in the book of Romans, chapter eight, is it's not about the law of Moses and and trying to meet the conditions and all of that. It culminates in Romans chapter eight, where he says, "Life is in the spirit. Your destiny, the unveiling of who you really are, is connected to your prayer life." And the gift of tongues enables you, helps you to go deep into the spirit realm, right? Symbolizing in the dream that I just shared that the when the epitaph king is killed, the people can dig into the sand and pull out their treasure, pull out the destiny that the Lord wrote to them, wrote about them, right? And so that's the that's the meaning of the of the word unveiled or or the meaning of the word um, revelation is to both unveil what was covered and restore what was stolen. Un- unveil what was covered up by the enemy and reveal what was stolen. Right? Reveal what you really are in Christ. And that is the essence, that is the the supernatural power given to believers to simply lay down the ways of the world that religion has hidden and bound and has kept man from discovering. And the Lord actually restores the ability, the pure language, the gift of tongues, as we talked about in Zephaniah chapter 3. He, his desire is to plunder the evil powers of the earth who have stolen and hidden the true identity of man, right? This is this is the war of who you really are. And I'm prophesying to you now that it may sound or it may appear like you were in the valley of dry, dry, yeah, dry bones, that it's desolate, that there's no, uh, ab- there's no ability, there's no way, um, there's no call on your life, there's no purpose on your life, but I'm here to declare over you and, and, uh, because I'm reaching into the heart of the epitaph king and I'm ripping out his life, his lie that has defined your life as hopeless, powerless, and unable and unqualified. I'm ripping out that life. That is a lie from the devil. And I decree the epitaph of evil that's been written about your life is dead. That headstone is falling. Amen. And that you are right now are giving superpowers 
to find your destiny. As you pray in the spirit, the sand is being removed from that treasure chest and you are reaching to pull that treasure chest open and and that is before your eyes and your heart right now is being flooded with light, flooded with revelation and wisdom about the destiny that Jesus Christ personally wrote about you as he loved you before the foundation of the earth. Amen. Amen. And so... You got to wrap your mind around that to such a degree that that is what you live for. It has to be what you live for, what you pursue, what you what you uh, have to get. Right. Ten years ago, 2011, when I when the Lord was leading me to study everything about the gift of tongues that I could get my hands on. And then he came to me and said, I want you to pray in tongues for six hours a day for one year. I can't even tell you the transformation. I had been casting devils out of people at that point and doing supernatural things in the spirit, uh, deliverance ministry, equipping people uh, in the Holy Spirit for for uh, probably seven years at that point. Um, and in 2012, when he told me to pray in the Holy Ghost, everything changed. He started personally coming to me after I would be praying for long periods of time. He would come and literally talk to me for long periods of time about this, what this angel does and what he was equipping me with and, and what, what he was clothing me in and different weapons and things that, that I was going to do. And, um, that may sound like far fetched stuff, but you know what? Before before I embraced the way of the Spirit, I thought like that too. But now, because I gave my, I had to humiliate myself, right? I talked to you the last several sessions about the gift of tongues in Isaiah 28. It, and the Lord says, how will I teach you? He says, I will, he says, no, I will teach you in a more humiliating way with a stammering lip and another tongue, meaning that you, you you don't understand it, but you do it his way, which is you pray in the Holy Ghost, and literally he comes and imparts supernatural things into your heart. He unveils what you really are, and the things that were stolen from you, he restores, and the demonic entities that still try to come back and have authority over you, he grabs by the neck and crushes its head crushes its authority as he speaks life into you. Amen. And this promise, this promise is articulated in many, in many places in the Bible, in the, in the pattern of the, of the called men and women of the Lord. In Jeremiah, for example, Jeremiah chapter one, verse nine, it says, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See that I've set you over nations and kingdoms to root out, to pull down, destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. Guess what? Before Jeremiah could do that, the Lord had to teach him the way of the Spirit. The next verse, the Lord says, Jeremiah, what do you see? He's actually talking about what do you see in the vision that I'm showing you right now? And Jeremiah says, I see a branch, an almond tree. And the Lord says, well, have you seen? For I am ready to perform my word. I will make it happen. Right? This is exactly the way Jesus demonstrated life in the spirit in John chapter 5. He said, I only do, my, I only do what I see my father do. And he was made supernatural. The Pharisees, the, the, the law followers were astonished at the power that was released through Jesus. Amen. It's, 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 you are only limited by the vision that you don't see. <laughs> Is that a double? Yeah, that might sound like a double negative, but you get my point, right? You are only limited by the vision that you don't see. People ask me why I pray. Why do I pray so much before I go to a city? Why do I pray so much before I go to India? You know why? Because the Lord prepares me for what's going to happen. I can't, I mean, it, it's normal for me. I, I go into prayer, I fast before I go to a, you know, a three-day 
conference prophetic thing where I know I'm going to be ministering and prophesying for 20 hours in a weekend or whatever it ends up being. And I, I'm always in prayer asking the Lord, you know, show me what's your intent, what's your purpose with this mission, what do you want to do with these people, right? I mean, gives me vision. Some people get anointed, right? Their eyes are open in the Spirit. Some people get a cloth put on them, and they are um, defined by the cloth that the Lord puts on them. I mean, all kind of, this happens all the time, right? Um but it didn't. It didn't till I obeyed the call of the Lord to go deep in spiritual prayer. Okay? And it allowed me to see in the Spirit in a very fluent manner. It is possible. So I'm encouraging you guys that the only limitation that's upon your life right now is whether or not you're going to do it His way. Whether or not you are going to pursue Him with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind. You're going to love Him in the Spirit using the gift of tongues that He's given you. Because not only will every gift be unveiled to you and how to use it, when to use it, but secret supernatural information will be revealed to you and your identity, what you really are. More importantly, what you really are will be revealed to you with your purpose, your intent, and your calling. Amen. And this pattern continues in Zechariah chapter 3. I'm just going to read this scripture because it's exactly what we've been talking about. It's a redefinition, a rewriting of Joshua, right? It says, Then he showed me a, uh, Joshua, a picture of Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem. I rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? He's talking about literally taking Joshua out of, out of the desert, out of the fire, right? Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he said and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity far from you, and I will clothe you in the rich robes. He's given him a new identity, a new purpose, a new calling, a new ability, right? And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put clean clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you walk in my ways, and if you keep my command, then you shall judge my house. What have we been talking about over the last, well, let's say at least four or five weeks in our in our progression of the wisdom-filled warrior and the call of God that's upon your life to make you a warrior in Christ filled with wisdom. We've been talking about you receiving the command. We talked that the command is not following Scripture. The command, if you think it's about following Scripture, then you are thinking in a very shallow manner um, not, not that following Scripture or understanding Scripture is a wrong thing or a bad thing. It's that there's a higher call. There's a supernatural call. And you can't achieve your call functioning as a mere man simply settled on Scripture. But there's a call of God on your life to hear His voice, which is the, what commands you, go here, don't do this, speak this to this person, deliver this guy from this thing, Right? That's the command. That's what he's talking about here. If you keep my command, meaning that you recenter your life around hearing the voice of the Lord, knowing that he has something to say to you every day, there's a vision for you, and that vision will allow you to judge, right? We talked about that throughout the last three, four weeks. You are empowered to judge according to the vision. The, the, the vision gives you the ability to reorder, right? What did he say to Jeremiah? He said, I'm putting my words in your mouth, my, my vision in your heart. He tested him. What do you see, Jeremiah? And he says, what I let you see, I will make happen, and it will tear down, root out, destroy the evil, right? What has been stolen from you, it will destroy it. And then it'll unveil the kingdom, meaning it will be planted. He will plant the kingdom. He will plant your purpose. Your true identity will be unveiled. 
right? That's the awakening of the sons of God in Romans 8, right? The unveiling, he, that what has been stolen from you will be restored, the demonic will be driven out, and the unveiling, meaning the establishing of what your identity is in the kingdom. That's the picture of Joshua standing before the Lord. I'm not here to condemn you, Joshua. I'm actually here to empower you to take off your dirty clothes, your false identity, and put on your new identity, the, the identity that I wrote about you in heaven, your real destiny, and I will empower you not only to live in peace, but to judge your enemies and to judge the people. What's that mean? When you judge the people, you are there to save the people, meaning you are to rewrite their destiny according to the vision, the dream, the destiny that the Lord wrote about the people, okay? I'm getting into prophecy now, guys. I'm getting into the intent of why the Lord equips you as wisdom-filled warriors when you begin to wrap your mind around the fact that the Lord is delivering you. He's knocking down the epitaph that the world wrote about you and redefining you according to what He wrote about you. He's taking off your dirty clothes. He's putting on your new clothes so that you can go do the same thing to the people. You become one with a rod in your hand, able to see the epitaph king, right? The death sentence that evil put on people. And you begin to thrust your authority into the heart of the liar to pull the epitaph king off his horse and watch him die as he watches his own heartbeat stop in front of his eyes. That's a symbol, right? That's a that's a the 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 empowerment. The one who was once the victim now becomes the victor. The one who was hunted by the evil one now becomes the hunter. Amen. The hunted becomes the hunter, and that's what the Lord is saying to you right now. That that you may have been hunted all your life, and what it feels to be like all your life, but. You will in the days of head be awakened to see the vision of the Lord and to release judgment upon your enemies and help deliver the people from the demonic powers that have stolen their destiny as well and establish the destiny of the Lord. And that's that's what prophecy is, guys. That is what a wisdom-filled warrior is. Okay, in, in 1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul says this. He says, desire... Uh, or he says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Verse 5 says, "Pray." I desire that you pray in tongues even more that you prophesy. Why? Because praying in tongues is personal. It's relational, right? But he desires you to grow in praying in the Spirit. He desires you to grow in in your relationship with the Holy Ghost to where you begin to see the vision of the Lord and he, he, you realize He's equipping you to prophesy, meaning that you are confronting the demonic and rewriting the destiny that the Lord wrote about the people that He sends you to minister to. And the example that He gives is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verse uh, 23, 24, 25. Paul is talking about um, what happens when people come into into a group of people? He calls it the church, but he's, it's a group of people that know the heart of God. They pray in the Holy Ghost, and because of that, they can prophesy. Paul says that when people come in, that they are convinced by the prophetic anointing as people are granted discernment to see into the hearts of the people the new people coming in, and you're able to reveal their real destiny to them. Paul says that they fall down on their knees, weeping, realizing that the supernatural voice of God just spoke to them and called something that doesn't exist as though it does, right? You uncover the treasure that's hidden in the heart of men. You uncover the treasure from the desert place where the epitaph king wrote about their life. And when you speak the prophecy over them, they literally are brought to life. They are resurrected, right? I can't tell you how many people, thousands of people 
that did not know, didn't even believe in Jesus, and I've prophesied to them, they fall to their knees and they weep and cry and get up receiving Jesus Christ, shaking in the presence of the Lord, praying in tongues. Amen. That's a, that is the supernatural. That is the ability of the, the prophetic. That's the power of the prophetic. And, and Paul, Paul was saying to the Corinthians that the prophetic should be the central element. What the, what the Lord is saying the true living voice of the Lord should be the central element, right, of why they gather, right? Because it's voice-driven. It's voice, um, there, there is no articulation aspect. You know, a lot of people think that the pulpit is the most powerful element of the church. And actually, in a lot of ways, it's the most per perverted way of the church. Because guys week to week think that they have to perform and be articulate and do the right do something that entertains their people and and it just gets very perverted very fast and people learn to just sit and be entertained by a guy um, articulating scripture never really seeing the power of the holy spirit but the lord in this hour is redefining church guys he's redefining um the the purpose of gathering and I, i've mentioned this this before but like if you go into different places in the world like Iran and China and and uh, different places that are extremely um, where Christians are hunted um, they very quickly are able to discern between life and death between the supernatural power of Jesus Christ and dead religion America the hardest thing to do in America is to discern what's real okay because it all it's all just a different flavor of dead. A lot of it is just different flavors of dead, literally, right? Because there's nobody burning in the presence of the Lord, seeking the Lord day and night, thirsting after His presence, and and walking in the supernatural. There there are few, okay. There are there are few. But if you go into Iran, where they literally have given their life, embracing the Holy Spirit, literally. They go house to house to prophesy. They go house to house to, to give the Holy Spirit and to prophesy and to rewrite the destiny of people. And it spreads like wildfire. It literally is the fastest growing supernatural church on, the earth, on earth is in Iran. Okay? And, I mean, just in my experience in India, I mean, none of them know the Holy Spirit because they were... Um, they're the product of a previous generation that was that was taught by missionaries who didn't know the Holy Spirit. They were taught by dead religious system, and somehow they keep believing in this Christianity, even though it's not real Christianity. I mean, I go over there and I'm I'm interacting with them, and I very quickly realize to them. Christianity and Jesus is just another God, right? That's what Hinduism is. 99% of the nation is Hinduism, and I would say at least 80% of the Christians or so-called Christians, um, which is literally the majority of Christianity over there, um, they just think Jesus is another God that they accept. And they call it Christianity. And that's that, you know, whenever I go over there and I start saying Jesus is the one true God, there is no other God, <gasps> they gasp. I mean, they say, don't do this in front of the police. Don't do this in front of the open crusade because they may arrest you. And I'm like, listen, if you're going to hang out with me, this is what's going to happen. We are going to decree that Jesus Christ is the one true God. And we're going to rewrite the destinies of these people. We're going to introduce them to the Holy Spirit. We're going to prophesy over them. And they're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens... Thousands of people on an altar call get filled with the Holy Ghost. They're weeping. They're crying. They're shaking. We're casting demons out of people, right? We're revealing the true essence of, of Christ, what real Christianity is, right? It's, it's, a, it's a reformation. I mean, that's a lot of what I do. I go over to, to reform. And that, unfortunately, that's a lot of America, too. They have a false definition of Christianity that looks more like the world based on what the world defined them as, what the epitaph, uh, that the epitaph king, their death sentence, wrote about them, even though they go to church on Sunday, they function, they run around, and, and they're powerless. And 
powerlessness should never be in the same sentence as a Christian. If you give your life and it's no longer that you that you live, but Christ who lives in you, you flow in every gift of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. And when you go to minister, you're prophesying the destiny that the Lord decreed about their life. And people weep, shake, cry, baptize in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, demons cast out of people. That's the real church, guys, that's what that's a picture of what the supernatural call of God is on your life to do. And I'm prophesying this to you now, guys. You are the devil is afraid of what you're about to become. The epitaph king right now is shaking on that horse because you are receiving the revelation that there's a treasure written about you in heaven. And I prophesy right now, I reach forward with that rod of authority and and take authority over the lies that have been spoken over your life, the false identity, the dirt, the mud, the junk that has buried you and basically spoken a death sentence over you, a powerlessness and everything that evil intended to break and destroy you by. I break that lie in Jesus' name. I decree the heartbeat of the epitaph king is silenced. It is dead right now. Those voices, those words will never uh, produce anything in you again. I release the life over you. I release an awakening that that gravestone that the epitaph king wrote about you. I break that lie. I command it to fall over dead. And I decree the, che- the treasure chest begins to shake underneath the earth. And it appears, it literally suddenly appears by faith. It appears in front of you and even opens up. And you are astonished at what the Lord has written about you. You are astonished at the glory of that God sees you through the blood of Jesus, that that he sees you forgiven. He sees you uh, without shame. He sees you with a great purpose and intent through the love that he wrote about you before you were even born. Just like the awakening of Jeremiah, when the Lord says that I knew you before you were born, I prophesy that your prophetic awakening will reveal a depth of love with Jesus Christ that never would have been known without the prophetic awakening of the call of God that's on your life. The destiny that the Lord wrote about you, I release that to you now. I decree that you will be flooded. Your heart will be flooded with light. Your heart will be flooded with wisdom and revelation and the destiny that the Lord wrote about you. I release upon you right now such a hunger and a thirst to pursue the Lord in the pure language. The gift of tongues will begin to bubble through you so supernaturally that it will go from five minutes to 10 minutes to an hour to two hours to three hours. There will be days, entire days and nights where you sit and you pray and the glory of God will drape on you and the peace of God will capture your heart so profoundly because he delivered you from shame. He delivered you from demonic oppression, from depression, from the voices of evil and every curse that the enemy meant to enslave you with, that gravestone is falling over. That decree is falling over dead, powerless in the name of Jesus, because I am ripping the heart out of the epitaph king right now that is standing before you. I break that lie in Jesus' name, and I decree over you, you are a powerful believer. You are the son of God. You are the daughter of God that he loves, that he is destined, that you will not only receive the clean clothes, the new identity decreed by the Spirit, but you will stand in his courts and judge. You in the days ahead will prophesy over people. You in the days ahead will cry and weep and minister to people and drive the demonic from not only uh, your life, but from the life of those around you as you minister in the power of the Holy Ghost. I just, I decree that over you now, guys. I decree that uh, restoration supernatural restoration is going to be something you carry supernatural restoration is something everything that the locust stole from you that will be restored in your life everything that the the, the demonic stole from you every identity that the lord wrote about you that was stolen I i i decree it was restored to you 30 60 and 100 fold increase 
in the name of Jesus and your children, your children's children and your your great-great-grandchildren down. 60 generations will be blessed because of your deliverance, because of your embrace of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural call of God that's upon your life. I just release that now upon you in the name of Jesus. Amen, guys. All right, you guys have a great week and uh, look forward to next week. Uh, again, I encourage you pray in the Holy Ghost, guys. Pray in the Holy Ghost and watch what he's going to do in your life. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T.org, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.